Welcome to The Rational Egoist. I'm your host, Michael Leibowitz. Several years ago, while reading a book by Nathaniel Brandon, he mentioned something that has stuck with me, and that's he wondered about what the effect the parents lying has on their children. And he said that at the time, he wasn't aware of any studies being done on it. But now, it seems there have been, and today's guest has written about them, and I'm very happy to have him. He's a globally recognized scholar and member of the Department of Applied Psychology and Human Development at the Ontario Institute for Studies and Education. Professor Kang Lee, welcome to the program. Thank you very, very much for having me. So in reading one of these studies, I came across this, I guess it's an actual term, parenting by lying. What does it mean? Okay, so we made up this term. So, so this this term refers to the fact that parents actually lie to their children for purportedly for the purpose of parenting their children. Okay, and are they trying to elicit responses? It's it's basically they're trying to control behavior, right? So they want to get get the kids to feel a certain way, to act a certain way. Can you give me some examples? Yes. So so parents actually tell all sorts of lies to their children. So they are the first kind of lies they tell their children, as you said, are uh, lies to control their behavior. So we call them instrumental lies. So for example, this is very typical, you know, your child acts up in the grocery store, wants the candy, and you don't want to give your child the candy, the child throws a, a temper tantrum. You say, okay, if you continue to throw a temper tantrum, I'm going to call the police and he will, she will put in jail. So that would be a very typical uh, parenting by line because you want to control your child's emotion and behavior in the in, in the public. And then, but you know, you are not going to call the police, and uh, you, they are not going to arrest them, put them in in jail. So, so that's a very typical parenting by line. Oh, how important is it in those situations to, if you're going to make a, I guess, threat. How important is it to follow through? Like I, I babysit my girlfriend's son. And if I tell him, if you don't do X, I'm going to turn off the television and take away the toys. And when he then doesn't do what I want, I do that. I turn off the television and take away the toys and I explain to him why. Because it's important to me that he understands there's going to be a consequence, not just an empty threat like I'm going to call the cops, <laughs> for instance, which I guess some parents do. Yes. So this is the big difference between what you did and uh, some of the parents did when they use parenting by line because they have no intention whatsoever to follow through with their threat. So then to a child, uh, if nothing really happens, then the child may lose trust in you. That's one thing. But another thing actually is more important, the child now knows you are lying to them. And uh, this kind of models to the child uh, about uh, how to tell lies. Uh, anyhow, so so this is just a one kind of lies we parents uh, tell to our children. And we are all guilty of that. And there are other kinds of lies we tell. You also mentioned that they are, are, are somehow, you know, parents find that's necessary as well. For example, um, so these are lies you tell to, to kind of, uh, uh, to spare their emotions. For example, your child, a place a piano piece. It's just terrible. <laughs> but you want to encourage your child. You say, oh, it's so wonderful. I love it. You know, you are such an artist or something like this. Right. So you feel, you know, 
the child need to be encouraged uh, by using lies. And this, this is another kind of parenting by lying. And there are, uh, there's another kind of, for example, you know, sometimes parents feel the child, your child is too young to deal with certain complex issues. Uh, and for example, the, the family pet died, the family dog died. You say, oh, you know, we actually took the dog to your uncle's farm, you know, and because there's more room to, for, for, for your, the, the, the dog to run around. Instead of telling your, your child the truth that uh, the dog has died because you think your child cannot deal with the complex issues of death. And so these are the situations you find, you know, justified as a parent to, to lie to your children. When I was a little kid, uh, break dancing, what was all, all the rage and I did it and I wasn't good at it at all. And I knew I wasn't good at it. I knew that my friends were better. My mother nonetheless told me, Oh, you're so good. And I, I knew that this wasn't true. How able are kids generally to discern that their parents are lying to them? So um, some parents are better liars than others. So, so some kids may discover their parents lies somewhere around, let's say, their teenager years. And someone even later, like high school or university years. I, I can relate, tell you a few of these stories later. But uh, some young kids actually are quite sensitive to their parents' um, uh, uh, untruths, let's, let's put it this way. And from a very young age, we sometimes think kids are stupid, you know, young kids, particularly preschoolers, they don't know not anything, you know. So then we say, oh, okay, well, I lied to them, I lied to them, they cannot figure it out. But some of the kids actually are very sensitive to the, to the truth and, and the falsity, and they can actually detect this. So I'm talking about kids as young as four and five years of age. So I don't know how old you were, you know, this kind of situations when you parents are telling you why lies, so-called why lies, um, we, we sometimes can, 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 can sense it because their, their parents are not very sincere when they are saying this. So as a child, we are sensitive to this and we can detect that. Now, once kids discern that their parents have lied to them, how does it affect the parent-child relationship in terms of, of trust, in terms of the view the child has of the parent? So, so you know, as you said, you know, the, the, the author you mentioned said, you know, nobody really did very much uh, study about, you know, when parents lie to their kids, you know, what, what, what happened. So in the last 10 years or so, and we've been working with people all over the world and to study, you know, the long-term consequences of lying to your children. And initially, as a scientist, I didn't know very much, as the author said, you know, about, you know, what kind, you know, there actually existed uh, the so-called parenting by lying. Uh, that's why we coined the word, word, you know, parenting by lying, because, you know, in the literature, nobody ever mentioned it. And then, and then number one, then number two uh, was that I thought, you know, these kind of lies are necessary and innocuous. And it's not going to have any impact on children. And it's practiced practically all over the world. Um, and if we ask your audience, you know, to remember the lies their parents told them, they could easily tell you a few, you know. So, so I always thought it was not uh, going to have a long-term impact. However, so now we have, you know, quite a bit of studies done, and we found uh, the amount of parenting by lying you do as a parent can have some short-term 
and long-term consequences. So what are the short-term consequences? One of the biggest one is your children lying back to you. So the more you tell parenting by lying, that is telling lies to your kids for parenting purposes, the more likely your children are going to lie back to you according to their self-report. That's number one. So these are short-term ones. And there's a long-term ones, as you mentioned, um, the, the relationship between you. So you kind of slowly, slowly lose this um, um, trust between you and your child. So your child, your relationship becomes strained in a, a certain way. So the quality becomes less trust, trusting than before. And then there are, you know, serious long-term consequences. So one of them is we call it externalizing problems, meaning the child becomes, as a, become when they become adolescents and or, 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 or at, at young adults, they become more likely to use aggression to solve problems in their own relationships with others. And also they develop internalizing problems, mainly, mainly uh, depression and anxiety disorders when they become adults. So these are long-term consequences, starting from our innocuous, so-called innocuous lies when we were, when they were, you know, preschoolers or uh, elementary school kids. So with attachment, for instance, the, the kids take the attachment style that they have toward their caregivers, and then they end up sort of repeating that pattern in other relationships throughout their lives. My parents were both, you know, they both lied as easily as they spoke. And as I got older, I was a liar. I didn't trust other people. And I always figured that I was repeating the patterns that I had learned. Now, that's not to say I didn't have a choice in the matter. Of course, I did. And plus, you can throw, you know, there's genetics in the mix as well. But what you seem to be saying is that, indeed, when parents lie to the kids, these have consequences far beyond just the immediate lies that the parents are telling, not only in terms of the parent-child relationship, but in terms of how the kid ends up interacting with the world. Yes. So so this the child basically learns from parents and then transfer, generalize this, like these, these activities to other people in their social relationships, such as your friends, you know, girlfriends, boyfriends later on, and uh, co-workers, and they are their own kids. So the, 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 as you mentioned, you know, attachment we have, we form with our parents actually goes down through generations. Uh, so there's a multi-generational transfer of the same uh, attachment and at the same time, the our parenting style, you know, the how we parent our child gets transmitted to our child, and then the, the, our child would transmit to his or her child. The reason for that is uh, for a parenting by lying is a, a particularly uh, a very good example. So why do we do it? And sometimes we know as parents, we know, you know, it's, we, we always say, you know, you have to be honest. We tell our kids to be honest, but sometimes why do we lie to our kids? Well. Because in many situations, when we tell parenting lies to, to our kids is because the situation is very stressful, emotional. And then you look around for tools to deal with the situation. You, you come up empty. So what comes up very quickly in your mind uh, is the, the idea that your parents practiced on you. And you, you grab it and you use it. So, so that's why, so, you know, it comes too easily to us because we learned from our parents and using that, 
than to our own kids. And our own kids also learn you know, in this kind of situations, I, I have to do something and then use what I have learned from my parents. Uh, so so that causes this kind of you know multi-generational uh, transmission of these you know not, not very uh, good parenting practices. It seems like parents often lie to their kids because it's convenient because in the short run it's going to solve a problem, but in reality it's not really convenient because it's going to create a host of problems down the line, right? Now, how about when kids see their parents lying to other people? Like I remember one time my mother took me uh, to my uh, her grandmother's house, right? And my stepfather just didn't want to come. So when we got there, my mother said, oh, you know, Jimmy's not feeling well. That's why I didn't come. I And I didn't know. So I said, what do you mean? Jimmy's fine. <laughs> you know. And my mother said, no, he's not. You know, so like what kind of effect does that have? Yeah, so, so this, this is a, another kind of, you know, parental lies we tell in front of our kids, but not for parenting purposes. And then, so these situations actually are very transparent to children, to you, right? So to, to me, you know, I remember once, you know, my, my, um, uh, my niece uh, and uh, my sister, we were having dinner, and then someone, you know, knocked on the door, I, I guess a salesperson or something, and then my mom, my, my sister just said to my niece, she was like five, six years old, you know, don't tell the, tell the person I'm not at home. So the, you know, my niece just went to the door, said, uh, my mom told me she's not at home, you know. So basically, in this case, it's just t teaching your child to lie, right? So all the examples you gave and the examples that I gave uh, are the examples the kids actually know the tr what's true and know you are telling something that's not true. And at the same time, and the seeing adults doing this. So, so then they say, okay, you know, mom, you know, you told me I should not lie, but at this moment, you are lying. Or dad, you told me lying is bad, but you are lying in front of me. And you actually recruit me as part of the, 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 the people to, to facilitate your lie, you know? So then the child will learn this, okay? Or in some situations, I should learn to tell lies. But of course, in some situation, we do have to teach our kids to lie. For example, you know, someone give you a, a gift you don't like, you know, it's really impolite to to tell the person, I don't like your gift, uh, which which we you know would not be be nice to the person, the gift giver. So so as a parents, then so when we tell these kind of lies in front of our kids, we sometimes encourage our kids to tell these kind of polite lies to other people. We need to provide re, 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 rationale behind it. We have to tell them these kind of lies are, are called the fibs, for example. The reason we're doing this is that we don't want to hurt the person's feelings. So you need to justify it. I guess, you know, in many situations, what we, we tell lies to in front of our kids, we don't really provide, you know, good justifications or have a discussion about it. So that's the problem uh, when we, uh, you know, raising our kids in a very busy uh, 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 home environment or, you know, we, we just don't find time to set, the, set them down and say, okay, this is what I did. This is why I did it and why you should do that in the future uh, or why you should not do it in the future in some other situations. See, it seems to me that the situation of the gift that you told would also be harmful although parents might judge it to be worth the harm because you're trying to save somebody else's feelings. But 
from my perspective, there's a few things here. One is that people ought not to be so sensitive. There's no guarantee when you randomly buy somebody a gift that the person's going to like it. So if they don't, so what? I mean, you try, you did your thing. But also when the parents tell the kid, no, no, you have to say that you like it. You, It seems they're elevating factors above what is real. They're elevating somebody's sentiments or somebody's feelings above the reality of the situation. And if kids learn that people's opinions are more important than truth, it seems like that's detrimental, even if the motive is well-intentioned. Mm-hmm. So there are, you know, multiple schools uh, schools of thought about this issue. You raised a very, very important uh, philosophical, ethical, and and, uh, and uh, practical issue about you know telling lies. Uh, and, you know, some uh, like uh, you know, Kant, uh, uh, for example, believed that you can never lie. You know, lying is immoral. You cannot lie. For example, his extreme example is if someone is chasing. And try to to murder someone. And I know where the 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 the, the, the to be murdered person uh, is hiding. I have no choice but to tell the the murderer that you know where the that this person is hiding because if I lie, it's the it's a violation of the one of the you know ultimate uh, moral things. And so that's one group of thoughts. But there are other group of thoughts, uh, theorists and philosophers and practitioners believe that you know. Um, we, we need uh, sometimes tell lies. So lies basically are not inherently immoral. Uh, there are situations in which we, we ought to lie uh, because truth really hurts. And uh, and if truth, truth hurts, it's going to impair your social relationship with others. And uh, so the consequences that could be dire. For example, you're going to not have, you're going to be bullied at school and if you're always being blunt to others, and you're you're not going to have good relationships with others, and so so these are the two school, schools of thought, and people vary from one end to another. Um, but for me, I feel like there there you know number one is there's no uh, 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 immoral immorality associated with lying. It depends on the purpose of lying. If the purpose of lying or your intention of lying is to help someone, then in that situation, maybe it's justified. Mm-hmm. And uh, the only thing is, uh, 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 when you interact with kids, you have to make sure they understand the rationale behind certain kinds of lies. And this is the part that we don't do very much in our everyday socialization of our kids. We don't teach them. When no. it, when it's appropriate, see in the Kant in Kant was it was his duty ethics or ontological ethics. You're right. He taught that lying in and of itself is wrong because there's no there's no real purpose to morality as far as living your life goes. It's just because you have a duty to behave a certain way. So in that situation, if you're going to lie to somebody if they're trying to kill you because you're protecting yourself from them. So I guess what I'm saying is that the ethical thing kind of depends on context like you said but just because somebody might irrationally be upset it would seem to me that wouldn't be the right context mm-hmm. but i guess you're right that you ultimately regardless of what you believe the alt- the, the appropriate context for lying is you, we ought to do a better job of explaining it to the kids mm-hmm. yes and then so interestingly so interestingly 
So if you look at the children who uh, have been diagnosed with, let's say, with ADHD, one of the constant complaints from people around them is that they don't lie. They don't know how to lie. Um, and the same thing is true with children with uh, uh, autism spectrum syndrome. And the people also have this complaint uh, that they don't know how to lie. But in, as a matter of fact, they know how to lie. Just they don't lie, tell kind of lies. Other kids lie. These are the pro-socialized so-called or politeness lies, white lies. So they lie, you know, to spare other people's feelings. And in these kind of situations, they fail. And then, so that would, would tend to create problems between them and uh, their peers. So, so in a sense, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, advocating everybody should teach their kids to lie, but I'm advocating parents should socialize their children to, um, uh, to, to, to kind of provide the rationales for certain situations why lying is bad, as well as certain situations lying is okay. Um, but at the same time, so very, very importantly, based upon our recent work for in the last you know, 10 years, is that parents, however, must not lie in front of our own kids and because it sets a different example. So this is unfair. In a sense, very weird, you know, you know we, we, we do have to be truthful in front of kids because when we lie in, in front of kids, it just models something and then they would copy, they, they, they don't discriminate. Oh, you know, dad lies to me about this because, you know, there's a good reason for him to lie. No, the kids don't make this kind of uh, uh, reasoning. So they, they group all the lies together told by parents as lies. So if my parents lie, then I lie. So, so from an adult's point of view, we do have to minimize our lying in front of our own kids. That's a lot of good stuff. Okay. So first of all, when advocating or trying to teach kids given behaviors, whether lying or anything else, is it best to always explain to them why rather than just do this because I say so, but instead of that, say do this because like, for instance, don't jump up and down on the bed because you might fall off and get hurt, right? That is the the better approach than the you know, time tested. This is what I say, so do it. Ideally, yes. <laughs> Ideally, yes. But as you know, uh, in our, you know, uh, you know, parents with kids in the house, it's you know chaotic, and we have a lot of obligations. Kids do all sorts of things. So, so the, the, the then the problem is that we don't have time, the patience, and <laughs> the composure to do this. So, so then, so the, the, the thing I think we need to do is we need to be selective about this. A, a certain important things, then we kind of say do and don'ts. And the certain things, we just let them be. So that would be my suggestion. Uh, and then, you know, certain things we will set, set our kids down and talk about uh, uh, the issues in question. So I call it teachable moments. So there are situations you run into, like for example, you know, that you, 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 you lie, that you know, uh, your, your mom or in, in front uh, told in front of you, and then that situation, you know, created a teachable moment. And then in that teachable moment, if your mom could talk to uh, to you about why she did what she did, then everything became, you know, clear to you why, you know, that that situation is a a doable situation. 
but in, it, it's very difficult. I, I, you know, as I know, I, I, I raised a child. <laughs> He's now adult now. You know, it, it was it, it was difficult, and I, even with one single child, it, it was difficult. Imagine, you know, you have multiple kids in the house. So well, right, there's times you simply don't have time to explain why the kid can't do something. If the kid is in immediate danger, it has to be don't do it because mm -hmm. I say so. Right, you, you yeah. don't have time to explain it. But you mentioned modeling behavior. And it's, I know that it's very important, not what parents say, but what they do, how they behave. That's, I, I believe, social learning theory, like Albert Bandera, for instance. But what is the, the mechanism or what are the reasons why such modeling is so important? Yes. So, this, you know, the, uh, we, we always thought, you know, before Bandura, uh, that learning is through reinforcements. Uh, or conditioning, but uh, so but Bandura showed to us that you know kids and adults really watch others, and then they do what they they, they learn implicitly implicitly through observation. So uh, observational learning is a very very powerful form of learning, and uh, there's almost no need for even reinforcement. So so th so that's the, the the power of observational observational learning. And not only we do it, other primates do it, and animals do it. Like you know, I'm talking about dogs do it, and uh, you know, um, uh, the the uh, uh, what's uh, the 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 crows do it. So the animals also do it. So learning by observation seems to be a very efficient way of transmitting uh, knowledge uh, from one person to another and from one animal to another. So so I think so we we as humans. Uh, you know, uh, thanks to 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 Bandura that that we 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 now realize the importance of observational learning and and but we don't do that as as enough and we don't realize its importance in our practical uh, activities enough. For example, we we learn a lot from our priests, we learn a lot from our teachers, we are learn a lot of, from our parents just by just watching them, and just sometimes it takes one act. Of the other person you watch and you learn like this, so it's very efficient and then it's long lasting. So my suggestion to parents is, you know, you really have to model, you know, what you say. So for example, I we know I, I know a lot of parents do these two kinds of things. Okay, one is they they sometimes say like this. Okay, you know, Michael, you know, if you tell me the truth, I will. You, you broke my my cherished vase. I will not be angry. And then you say, okay, you know, since mom said that, you know, I'm going to say, mom, and I broke your boss. What happened? Parents became angry. Mom became angry. You know, because they say, so they, they, then the child learned very quickly. You say, okay, next time it's better I'm not going to tell the truth. So this is a clear uh, way of modeling. You know, you, you, you set up a rule and you break it yourself. Another one is lying. Right, you're lying to others in front of you, lying to you directly, and then you figure this out, and then that kind of uh, modeling becomes instantly ingrained in your brain. It's translated into your action when you encounter similar situations. So, so I think you know parents really, really need to pay attention to what we do, uh, and and then live up to our words. If we say something, we really have to do it. We, if we say honesty is important then you should be honest to your kids. So I, I, I try to do this uh, in front of my kids. I try to be honest. 
but at the same time, I have to confess, <laughs> I I also did uh, parenting by lying. So so when we published our first study about this, I had to confess to my child, I had been uh, doing lying to him because so I I took him to school when he was about three. Um, uh, so we have to drive for about you know thirty to forty minutes to his school. Uh, sometimes you know, and then he got antsy in in the back of the the car. You know, he started screaming, yelling. So what I said was, I said, okay, look, you know, the you know the uh, the emergency button. Uh, the uh, I said this button is actually not emergency button. It is a a a a, a launch button. So if you if you keep on screaming, yelling. And I'm going to push this button. Then what happens is your 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 back seat, your car seat, is going to fly off through the roof of the <laughs> of my car. So when every time every time when he acted up, so I put my hand in front of that button, and immediately he would calm down. And I used this for about a, a couple of years, but then my paper got published. So so I had to you know confess to him you know that that was a lie. But anyhow, so. But I, because I didn't know at that time, it was a not a good pra uh, parenting practice. So since then, uh, you know, learning from my research, uh, my own research, I, uh, I decided, you know, I, I tried to be very honest to him about almost everything, uh, even including sometimes, you know, he did something not very, you know, his piano playing was not very good. I just say it's not good. Something. <laughs> so. How do parents' beliefs about honesty correlate with whether or not they actually lie to the kids. In other words, if parents say honesty is the best policy and lying is wrong, does that mean that they'll necessarily be truthful to their kids and in front of their kids? Uh, unfortunately, no. So <laughs> the majority of parents we have surveyed all believe the lying to be wrong and they do to a very degrees, but there's no correlation between how much they lie to our kids for parenting purposes and how much they believed in honesty. I uh, you know we have to be honest to each other, you know, the degree of that. So basically what do you believe in your head is totally different from what you do uh, to your kids. So, so this, but this, this is common. So we, we are kind of, in a sense, we are moral hypocrites uh, as humans, as, as adults, because think about this, the majority of us know you know, lying is wrong, but uh, you must have, I confess, I, I occasionally will tell lies, uh, and you probably have uh, told lies on your daily lives, uh, you know, from day to day, you know, and we, we adults tell lies quite a bit, actually, you know, uh, on a daily basis, and, but it, it does not mean we, we don't know, do not know lying is bad, you know, so there's a divorce between, you know, the moral knowledge and your moral uh, actions. I'm a big believer of being honest with kids and not lying in front of them. But an example of my own hypocrisy is when it comes to things like Santa Claus or the, the tooth fairy, I think, in, you know, to myself, well, you know, there's only one time in a kid's life where they can engage in that kind of fantasy, where they'll be able to believe in that. And, and it it's, was so much fun for me as a kid. So I figure, well, you know, that there's no harm in teaching kids this stuff. And then, you know, when they get to be of age, you tell them the truth. Is it harmful? Should we be teaching kids to believe in Santa and the Easter Bunny? 
So this is so interesting a question, excellent question. So I practice this as well as you did. You know, uh, when my kid was growing up, you know, we celebrate Santa Claus, you know, and the gift and put them away and milk and cookie, whatever. <laughs> you know, we create all the possibilities to convince our kids. Yeah, uh, my uh, my child, you know, they're Santa Claus, you know, and um, and then so. So this is a question like we did study it a little bit, when, but we haven't really specifically studied it. We, we, we asked parents report and they practice this. People actually practice it across the world according to their cultural practice. There are always certain kind of, you know, theories in their, uh, in their culture and the parents use them for various purposes, including what you said, you know, create a magic in our a child's life. It's facilitated their imagination and things like that. And there's a good reason so we do this every single year, you know, and they're also about tooth fairy, about Easter bunny. So, however, so one of the things we we have found is, this is something I really want to do an international study. Uh, I want to know, like, so as you said, you know, parents think, well, you know, when my child grows up at a certain age, I'm going to tell, right? But it turns out the, the uh, many of us, I don't know, you have had a similar experience. So many of us discover these kind of lies, lies about magical beings, Santa Claus, Tooth Fairy, Easter Bunny, uh, all almost on the same day, like around the same time. We had this big band in our head and that was a tremendously traumatic for, for people. So you suddenly discovered these magical things are not true you believed in for so long that's number one number two is your parents have been lying to you for that long and <laughs> that is a very very you know uh, you know so shuttling uh, period and uh, so so I, I i talked to my child about this and he said that you know his friends told him in his class who let's say they were you know some some jewish kids in his class you know they did not uh, uh, practice, you know, uh, <laughs> Christmas or, or Santa Claus. And they would tell Nathan, you know, that's not true. You know, this you know, Santa Claus does not exist. But, you know, but still takes a long time because they are classmates. So he wouldn't believe. So there's a slow period of change in his beliefs. But again, you know, some of my, my students, like I talked to one of my students. And then so, so she, her, her parents, Really, really like the practice of you know Santa Claus, the, the gifts, the cookie and stuff. He, her father every single year would go out and put big shoes on and climb up and put the footprint on the roof and did everything. And every year would show her, say, look, you know, last light Santa Claus came, you know, here, here are the footprints. So she was totally convinced until she, when she was a teenager and she had an argument with her classmates. The classmate told her that's not true. So she went home, asked her mom, so mom, you know, so-and-so told me uh, Santa Claus is not true. Is that true? You know, mom said, no, it's not true. You know, then she said, what about the, the tooth fairy? No, mom said, it's not true. She said, what about Easter Bunny? No, that's not true. So boom, boom, boom. Like, so when we talk, did our study, she said that this is, you know, she had vivid memories of how tra traumatized she experienced on that day. So she remembered vividly, you know, this is after about 10, 15 years, you know, she was a PhD student. Anyhow, so I'm, I'm just relating to you about this. I, I, I want to do a study 
all over the world to see, to find out when we, you know, as adults discover this and how that has that discovery of these, you know, uh, long held beliefs were shattered and how the impact on our psychological well-being and how we do things in our everyday life. So this is something I really want to do. I haven't really um, started yet. Uh, I had some concerns about ethical concerns about this because you know there's debate among ourselves whether or not you know these kind of lies are really lies. Some people just call it this just a perpetuation of good cultural practices. Yeah. yeah. Right. So. Okay, Professor Lee, is there anything that I didn't ask or anything you didn't get to say that you think is important to cover in this topic? No, I, I think we covered uh, most of the stuff. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, excellent. Okay, so where can people find you? Uh, or or they, they can just Google me, Kang Lee, and they, they should uh, see my name and they can find out other, other stuff I'm doing in my lab. All right, well, thank you so much for being here. I love this topic. I find it very fascinating. Thank you so much. Have a nice now, day. This is the Rational Egoist signing out. I'm Michael Leibowitz. Remember, I want to know what you think. Tell me. Give me your likes, your dislikes, your comments. I want it all. Till next time.